0: Welcome to CALLED, a podcast where we explore the intersection of ministry and the rest of our lives as church workers. I'm Sarah Bariza,
1: And I'm Bill Smoots. Join us on the first and third Tuesdays as we talk about cutting the BS and embracing the good.
0: Between the two of us, we have ministered in churches for over 50 years, and we haven't burnt out yet.
1: Well. We're a little. I'm a little singed around the edges. I won't speak for you. Uh, I've been a pastor. I'm a Presbyterian pastor and have uh, served all sorts of churches as an associate pastor, as a head of staff, uh, suburban, uh, small town, urban, uh, rural, rural churches large and small. In the last few years, I've been serving interim transitional positions in United Church of Christ congregations.
0: And I have been a church musician all over the denominational spectrum. Mainline churches, evangelical churches, even a Catholic church. Basically, if they hire organists, I have probably worked for them at some point. (laughs) Today we're talking about wrapping up the program year. And this is something particularly pressing for me because as the minister of music in a church, I really work in the program year. It starts up in September, and that means choir starts, the adult choir, the children's choir, the handbell choir, concerts, extra rehearsals. And during the summer, I save a lot of my easy stuff for the summer. I've got a really messy music library to work on come June. My year really divides into the program year and then the summertime. And Bill, that's not really the case for you as a head of staff.
1: That has not been my experience since I was an associate pastor, a programmatic associate, and and had responsibility for program year. Programs, but as a head of staff, you know Sunday's always coming, and <laughs> always <and> got to preach. <laughs> there's always there's always a sermon to be prepared. There's always worship to think about. Uh, there are always you know that that monthly um, schedule of committee meetings and all those just normal pieces that doesn't change much for me at this point. Mm. As an interim pastor, there's even less of a programmatic aspect to my life the the issues the interim issues that are being attended to really become what sets my agenda and and while yes I pay attention to the church calendar and church year and um, special holy days and, and those those unofficial holy days, it is not uh, it, it's, it's really the interim, steps, the interim task that a specific congregation needs to attend to, that set my agenda.
0: You don't really have to take stock of what happened in the last 12 months and where you want to go in the next 12 months in the same way that someone who's working really programmatically really has to.
1: Correct. I, I think that's that's a fair statement. I I need to pay attention to what's happened mm-hmm. and, and oh, where sure. we're going, yeah. but, but not in the same way that somebody who's focused more programmatically does. Yeah,
0: it mm-hmm. wouldn't make a lot of sense for you to save a messy music library for the summertime because it's not like your schedule clears no. up a lot.
1: and I might not be around for the summer, mm-hmm. depending yeah, exactly. on how quickly mm-hmm. a search committee is working.
0: Yeah. So here are some things that I've thought about as I'm wrapping up this program year. First of all, I'm thinking about what worked and what I want to celebrate. And I've just been, I'm the minister of music at this church, and I'm thinking about how I've introduced new congregational music, and I'm thinking of how the choir has grown. I'm thinking of how I've been able to involve instrumentalists in our services, and I'm really happy with how those things have gone. I'm also thinking about what didn't work. Um, and one thing I thought of is how I'm thinking about different ways to integrate social media and utilize. Utilize its powers without um, falling into its pitfalls. And one thing I tried last fall was what I called a Sunday forecast, and it was like, "Oh, here's the music that's coming up on Sunday." And I just found that didn't do very much. It was like one extra thing for me to do, and it didn't
1: seem to people add anything. just didn't respond. Yeah,
0: not really. It didn't. It was like, "Oh, well, you know, if we come on Sunday, then we'll know what the music is." It's not like people wanted to know ahead of time. Or I included like the sermon topic, and I don't think people necessarily cared about knowing it ahead of time. I didn't I, get a sense. I think
1: that may have been something they cared about in the 50s, yeah. uh, the 1950s, but I don't, I don't think that's an <laughs> but not issue in the world of for most. folks. I, I, I think if they're going to come to church, they're coming to church. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and, and that's the sense I got from it It's the community they're coming for, the, the friendships. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think they're coming for a specific sermon or a specific choral anthem. Mm,
0: yeah. So th- there it is, thinking about things that worked really well, things that didn't work as well. Another thing that I've thought about is gaps. And as I'm taking stock of the year, I'm thinking, oh, like, like here is like the collective, here's all the, all the work that happened over the big picture of the year. And then as I look at that big picture, I think, Oh, I missed a spot. One example of that is that I've, I really intentionally program music by women composers, and I made a list of all these different composers uh, for my blog. And then I and then I was like, Oh, one of these is a person of color out of all of these women composers. That is a huge gap that I've got to rectify. And I wouldn't really have noticed it because we do quite a lot of music by people of color, just not particularly women. And like I didn't really put two and two together until I took stock of everything and noticed. Until I noticed, oh, there's a there's something missing here that is really important to the values of the congregation I serve.
1: And and Sarah, I I appreciate your sensitivity there and and want to cheer you on. But I would also say. Just the initial effort that you've brought since you joined the staff of this church last July of, okay, we're going to sing something that a woman has written every Sunday is a huge step
0: yeah and it's a hard step and and, and uh, <laughs> I have watched step.
1: you it would be a yeah. hard step for you mm-hmm. and and so I think you know yay you've got a good start on that and and now I, I appreciate that you know where you want to go next or to push yourself deeper in that but also I would I would celebrate just for a moment mm-hmm. oh, uh, for sure. that that we're more intentionally hearing music that has been written by women mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. that's valuable that's important, it's important. Yeah. Uh, not only for this congregation but Just for music and and for, if we're going to have more female composers, their stuff needs to get sung. Mm -hmm,
0: mm -hmm. Some more people
1: will say, oh, I could write. Somebody will perform what I write.
0: Yeah, absolutely. As I'm moving into the summer, this kind of taking stock helps me because the summertime is usually when you're making your music purchases and planning things, hopefully like Christmas Eve and like those bigger events where you want to have the music purchased ahead of time. Mm -hmm. And so taking stock Right now helps me as I plan plan in in budgeting kinds of ways. One last thing that I thought about was really marking the end of the year. And I'm thinking about that in terms of gratitude and celebration. And for me, I'm having all the music groups will be singing or playing on the last Sunday of the program year. And I want to mark that with special prayer calling out to the whole congregation, hey, we're thankful for the work that all of these people, all of these volunteers have put into our worship over the over the course of the program year. Let's thank them for this. And, you know, we'll applaud or pray or what however we decide to do that. Yes. And then hopefully it's also something where people are noticing my friends are, are participating in these kinds of ways and really paying attention to it on a particular Sunday of the year. I know some churches will have this as their Music Appreciation Sunday, and I, I well remember the time that um, I wasn't there at Music Appreciation Sunday because I gave birth a few days beforehand. <laughs> and then <laughs> And then the substitute organist didn't there. show up, so it was a kind of quiet Music Appreciation <laughs> Sunday. <laughs>
1: No, I, I think you know, <laughs> these are those moments that that churches need to take and recognize. Yeah, yeah we have to mark the, the time, the extra effort that that folks have given, the the extra time that they have given, and and to celebrate that a bit. Mm. And and I hope you'll also include uh, the people that have been guest musicians that have shared their mm-hmm. their flute playing abilities oh, or or yeah, their. Oh,
0: this is the other celebratory thing that I'm doing. I'm having a party at my house, um, and I had to go through, and I'm like, who are all of the people who have participated in the music program this last year not just the folks who participate in the choir but you know the flutist who played the one time i want to include that person also and so fortunately now i have a list
1: oh good (laughs) good that's (laughs) important
0: so the last thing that I'm thinking about is when does the program year begin again? And I know you, Bill, have a lot of thoughts on when it shouldn't
1: begin. Well, I think the program year should begin on the day that God ordained it to begin, which <laughs> is the Tuesday after Labor Day. Oh, basically. Uh, so no, I. I the, the last 20 or 30 years as school districts have shifted mm, yeah. their, their start of school, uh, to, to sometime in August. That has really raised questions then for church staffs and, and, and church volunteers of when do we start the church program year? And I've served churches where they've felt we need to start in August as soon as school starts. And I've served churches where the sense has been, we need to wait until September and give, uh, particularly families for, who are starting back in school, uh, some time to get used to what that mm-hmm. startup means and, and that changed and pace of life. And the exhaustion. And, 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 the exhaustion. The and the I really tend to come down on, let's wait and start in September. Mm-hmm. Uh, from from being in conversation with families, from the time when my uh, boys were, were in school, as things were getting started in August, the last thing we needed was one more first event of the year to get to. There were so many things the, the first week or two of school. It, our boys were all in fall activities, and so they'd been practicing for before school started. And then the school day starts, they've got seven hours of classes, a practice, and they're exhausted. Mm-hmm. And, it and sounds they like sometimes August
0: is even extra busy because of all the extra, especially for high school kids, all the extra sports and band rehearsals.
1: Band, drama you name it forensics it's it's all starting up in the fall or it's all starting up in the summer and and those first two weeks of school everybody feels they need to meet and everybody feels they need to kick off the program year Mm. and i think the church when it tries to add itself into that mix just becomes one more thing Mm -hmm. that that one more thing quite honestly that's probably easy to drop or Mm -hmm. or easy to say Mm. we're not going to do that Mm -hmm. for so many people the school activities that their kids are involved in are pretty critical to their life and Mm -hmm. if they're going to make choices between extracurricular or extracurricula activities and something starting up for church at the same time i think they're going to stay focused Mm. on school particularly at the beginning of a year
0: so for me as i'm thinking about like when to begin choir rehearsals it doesn't make a lot of sense for me to start even in late august because so many people want to have that last Labor Day weekend just to be not.
1: Yes, agree. And I found that we get through Labor Day weekend, which is often a low attendance mm-hmm. weekend because mm-hmm. of that and have kickoff Sunday or the fall picnic or mm-hmm. whatever yeah, the, the particular church's tradition is, bit. have it that second Sunday in September and and then begin the program year with that event or the Sunday school or youth programs then kick off on the third Sunday of September, I don't think the church loses anything for mm-hmm. that. Yeah. I think it, it may, what it gains is the sanity of those it's trying to serve.
0: Yeah, that's true.
1: It goes back to the dawn of time when when I was in school and, and getting instilled and in youth group and those kind of things. Nothing started until after Labor Day. And it just seemed to be a simpler, uh, well, simpler. I don't want to go back to a simpler time. <laughs> it, it seemed to be a schedule that worked. Where, whereas in my experience of being a parent for startup of school in August, Life was a lot more chaotic. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was just as chaotic for my parents, and I was too young to notice. Yeah, be, but I August, August, just—it's it, like summer's not over yet, and everything mm-hmm. started up.
0: So I am curious what our listeners think. How do you wrap up the program year if, if that is a consideration for you? How do you take stock of where where you went this year and where you want to go next year? How do you how do you do that for yourself?
1: And, and while they're giving us their thoughts on that, I would also love to hear their thoughts about the beginning of the program year. What what has been their experience? What has been uh, the choices that have been made by the congregations where they serve?
0: Mm-hmm. So now we're at our Read of the Week. And Bill, you're going to share with us what you read this week.
1: Yes. I am reading a, uh, a novel called Lamentation. The author is C.J. Sansom, S-A-N-S-O-M and it is uh, the sixth book in a series that Sansom has written on Matthew Shardlake, who is a lawyer uh, who works in the time of Henry VIII, King of England. So this is this particular book is set in the mid 1540s, and it's a time that Henry is dying actively, or and will soon, or or will soon die, and there, there's intrigue and some murders, and there's a document that the 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 Lake and his compatriots are trying to recover, but there's also some fascinating religious questions for me circling around this time. Yeah,
0: there's a lot going on right now. As
1: Henry's getting prepared to die, the forces that would like to see England go back to being a Roman Catholic country and the forces that would like to see England continue forward in its version of the Reformation are organizing themselves, are, are getting ready for the opening that Henry's death will create to see who will prevail. And there's all sorts of fascinating theological arguments going on. There are factions that are uh, actively scheming and working against one another, and it, it makes for a very rich... Background to this this story. I have not gone back and done historical research on my own since I've started reading this, but it it has me curious uh, because I, I don't know enough about how things move forward. I know what happened in England. Yes, we've got the Church mm-hmm. of England and it's oh. lasted a long time, but I, I wasn't aware of the fervor around Henry's death and and the shift towards Edward VI. And, and I'm curious to learn more now.
0: I bet it's really interesting reading about a time when religion and politics were so connected, given that we live in a time when religion and politics are so connected. There have
1: been some moments when I'm going, oh, things really haven't changed oh, that much. So people. people are still well, people. And, and we're still fighting over the, the silly fine points of doctrine that that don't mean that much in, in the big scope, or particularly the violence. People seem so mm. willing to use violence against one another in 16th century England and that hasn't changed all that much today, mm, and, yeah. and it's it's sad to say. And how much of that violence revolves around somebody's faith? It, it saddens me that that we as humankind have not matured any more in the last five hundred years.
0: Mm-hmm. End of sermon. Sorry. (laughs) So on a different note, I recently read The Art of Gathering by Priya Parker, and she is someone who, as her profession, organizes meetings for people, and a lot of those are at a very high diplomatic level. And this book has, for me, two different angles that are really relevant for churches. One is just structuring meetings. So entrances and exits, and where do you place the announcements, and when do you thank people? When do you honor the people? How do you make that a productive thing and not just blah, 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 thank you, thank you, thank you to all the people? So there's that like structural element. How do you run really great gatherings, as she puts it? And then the other part that I think is really fascinating for us as people who work in churches is creating conversations. And she talks about this in terms of conversations around death, conversations around love, Conversations where you have to take yourself out of yourself, where you have to be vulnerable in order for them to be productive, and how do you how do you facilitate that kind of thing? And she does that for her living, facilitating these kinds of conversations. And one element that I'm sure is not relevant for anyone listening to this, um, but in ca- just in case, she talks a lot about facilitating conversations around conflict.
1: Now, why would that be relevant to the church, I know, Sarah?
0: Right. <laughs> But she she talks about having conversations where people actually articulate what they disagree about. And sometimes she is hired to, say, help a business um, have their leaders actually talk about what they're disagreeing about instead of being really polite about it. And you can't run your business if you are wanting to go in two different directions and then never talk about You're two different directions, sounds like a lot like a marriage. You you gotta talk about where you're going and if you disagree, you really have to surface that disagreement and articulate it in a really specific way so you can actually Talk about it. She talks about how to do that in healthy, productive organization-building kinds of ways. And um, if that's not enough, she actually does talk quite a bit about small organizations and religious organizations throughout. Even though that's not her primary focus, she does frequently say, "Oh, this this applies to religious organizations. This applies to small organizations. This applies to staff meetings." Mm. Um, so a lot of a lot of good stuff in there for people who work in churches.
1: Yes, and for people that use words and images mm-hmm. and metaphors and, want and invite to imagination in conversations yes we the church really do conversation or do conflict poorly mm-hmm. a- and yeah. any resources that can help us be more intentionally in conversation mm-hmm. particularly in conversations where we disagree mm-hmm. a- and again in in this political day and age where the the model we have is you just don't talk to your enemies mm-hmm. you belittle them mm-hmm. or make person. fun of them or ignore them Sadly, I think the church often imitates that model, Mm -hmm. and so the opportunity to learn a different way to practice an approach where we value each other and talk to each other, even when we disagree and talk through those disagreements, is huge. That is it for this week's installment of Called. We're so glad you've chosen to spend a few moments with us, and, and again, remind you to look forward for new episodes on the first and third Tuesdays of each month.
0: You can find the show notes at calledpodcast.com. Just look for episode two.
1: And if you enjoyed the show, please share it with your ministry buddies and uh, review the show wherever you listen to podcasts.
0: I'm Sarah Bariza,
1: And I'm Bill Smoots.
0: Until next time, cut out the BS and embrace the good.